Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack for another edition of Spotlight Star Wars, my monologue from me to you, the Star Wars fans. And I've got it. You've got it. A lot of people have it. It is Rogue One Fever. We're here. As I sit in my studio recording this, tonight is the premiere of Rogue One. 
You might be listening to this on that day, the day after, a few days after, or closer to the actual uh, nationwide and sort of worldwide release date of Rogue One. Obviously, different countries get it on different days. Uh, We are here, kids. We're here. Rogue One, a Star Wars story, the first standalone anthology film that the Star Wars franchise is tossing out there. We know there's a lot of pressure on it. Um, I, uh, I'm not here to talk about early, not reviews, but I've, I've heard some things and some people have formed opinions. And I'm not going to give them left or right, uh, good or bad. It doesn't matter. The opinions out there, I consider emotions spoilers at this point. But it is hard to contain my emotions for Rogue One now. Such a nerd, right? Aren't we all? Seeing that X-Wing being rolled down the streets of Hollywood for the premiere. I don't get to go, but some of my good friends do. Christian Harloff, Mark Ellis, along with John Campia, Tiffany Smith, a lot of people from the Collider Video crew and other places and other people that I know getting to go to the premiere. Happy for them. I'm not bitter. I'm going to sit at home playing Battlefront Scarif and have my own Rogue One party. I'm excited. And all the doubts and trepidations that we as fans have that I certainly have have whispered away. They have they have vanished. Concerns about the dialogue in Rogue One that I've had, I don't care at th- about that at this point. They still might be bad, sure. That scene with K2SO in the trailer, one of the trailers blowing up stormtroopers in a slapsticky comical manner. I'm concerned about that. That's gone. Because right now it's all about fun, it's all about entertainment, and it's about a good message, and there's a lot of good things that I think will be in Rogue One in terms of story and epic feel and message to the public and a message to our youth and a message maybe even to our governments. Who knows? This isn't a political commentary, but just this is what these movies can do. They can, they can bring together a lot of different people from a, a lot of different walks of life and... We can all get something from these big epics when done right. And I think this one, I have that feel. If George Lucas is excited, I'm excited too. Got a couple showings. I got my screening. Uh, You will also hear a review of Rogue One here on this channel from Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Landa. We're trying to get together. Scheduling is tight. I got a 4.30 a.m. wake-up time to get to New York next weekend. Um, I'm literally going to see Rogue One and possibly just uh, drive to the airport (laughs) and and, uh, head on out to New York for some business. Uh, So we're trying to coordinate our schedules, but you will have a full review here on this channel. Um, But uh, I, I can't wait. What are you What are you excited for at this point in Rogue One? Because there's little things grabbing me. I got the Battlefront DLC pack for Scarif. I'm a season pass holder on Battlefront. I still play Battlefront pretty regularly. Criticize the game, if you will, because I might agree with a lot of the criticisms of that game. I think it's only going to get better. Battlefront 2 will be better. Yes, I want a story mode, etc., etc., etc. I still have fun with the game. I still just like crawling around in Stormtrooper uh, uh, gear or Rebel gear and shooting up the other team. Call call me a, a little Star Wars kid at heart, but I like the game. The Scarif stuff is good. Uh, it doesn't change the game dramatically, just a new level, new wrinkles, new stuff to look at. But as you lead up to Rogue One, it's doing its job because I got to tell you, I'm running around Scarif, and now I am so tremendously excited for that sequence in the movie. 
even more than I was before. I think it's going to look great. And before I thought, eh, Beach Planet, pretty cool. Shore Troopers, Beach Troopers, Margaritaville Troopers, whatever you want to call them. I was all behind it. But now to actually get onto the beach there and run around in video game form, uh, see the Shore Troopers in action, I am just really excited. I think it's going to be a great sequence. I'm looking forward to it. I, I think, I'm predicting, this is, this is after playing Battlefront, I'm predicting that Scarif sequence, whatever's going on there, is going to be one of the best in all of Star Wars. Putting that out there now, I think you're going to come out of that movie and we're all going to be like, that, that, my friends, was a Star Wars, a Star Wars action sequence. Um, another thing that got me excited was uh, some music cues, possibly from the movie, for Giacchino's score, Giacchino, Giacchino, Cacchino, he did work. He did good work, kid. You did good work. His music might be in Battlefront. I have to look that up. Can someone look that up for me right now? I'll wait. But their point is, there is new music cues on Battlefront in some of the uh, 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 waiting room uh, um, places on the game when you're waiting to load up and all that kind of stuff that are new. And if they're from Rogue One, we've got we've got some great music coming along, and I, I never really was worried about John Williams not being involved with this movie. It was a perfect opportunity to start to bring in new uh, minds and talents to the Star Wars scores. Part of that is Clone Wars. Williams uh, really wasn't involved with it. They just adapted some stuff, and I had no problem with it there. Same with Rebels. Um, believe me, Williams is great. You all know what I went to the finally got a chance to see Williams, Williams in concert this summer at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, a, a moving experience for sure. But I got to tell you, like, um, reality is he's getting older. I want him to concentrate on the saga films. That's where I want Williams to go all the way through episode nine at some point. You have to hand uh, hand off the ball, and Rogue One's a perfect opportunity to do that. And long story, stumbling short, the music on this Battlefront DLC that has popped up, it gives me great hope. Even if it's not from the movie, if it's reminiscent of, of or inspired by it, I, I think it actually is from it. It is great stuff. I haven't gone online and looked at the track titles and I'll tell you why, because we all know this is the Phantom Menace joke. It's, it's not even really a joke. It is the Qui-Gon funeral spoiler warning. Back when spoilers were a little less rampant and a little less uh, accessible with the Internet not being what it is now, we all know famously now, infamously now, that Qui-Gon's death, though it was something we could have predicted, was in fact spoiled on the CD track listing for the Phantom Menace soundtrack. And it kind of came with no warning. You went out, you grabbed it, you purchased it at, at Warehouse or Warehouse Music or Circuit City. And then you you, uh, you get back in your car, you, you open it up, and you got to put it in your CD player on your Camry. And like track 8 or 9 or 10 or whatever it was, Qui-Gon's Funeral. Uh? Again, could have predicted that. And mentors, mentors usually go in these epics. But a little disappointing. A little disappointing. So I think I still have that shell-shocked kind of view. So when the track listing and some stuff started to merge this past week for the Rogue One soundtrack, I, invo- I avoided it. I didn't want to see Jin's funeral march or Cassian's last cry. I didn't want to see any of that. Uh, whether or not I know or think they're going to die, uh, I, I just didn't want it. 
But uh, anyways, all that to say, uh, if you're a Battlefront fan and you haven't picked up Scarif, it's a great DLC, I think. Uh, it's better than the Death Star one, which was a little disappointing, to be honest. But it's got some cool things. You get to play as Jin Erso. You get to play as Orson Krennic. I haven't had a chance to play as Jin yet, but I have been killed several times by Jin Erso in video game form. And I'm not going to lie, kind of hot. I love Jin Erso. I'm telling you right now, I'm not being shy about it. Have a crush on this character already. Just there's something so intriguing about her. And this isn't about Felicity Jones. Felicity Jones herself, uh, a great woman, talented actress, uh, adorable in her own right. Um, I'm a big fan of Felicity Jones. But Jen Erso is a character. I'm a, I want I want to take this character out for a milkshake. I'm telling you. Uh, I'm all on board Jen Erso. I'm all, I'd take Cassie and Andor out for a milkshake, too, by the way. Um, I'm excited for what we've got going on. Rogue One fever is hitting. It is coming down. Take your medicine, kids. And your medicine is probably tickets to Rogue One. Now, in not wanting to uh, spoil anything and going into the uh, Rogue One soundtrack title listings and stuff and trying to avoid that, I will say now, slight spoiler warning. I'm going to go into a Star Wars news rumor discussion kind of talk. Discussion with myself, I should say. Something I couldn't avoid. It was about the Episode 8 title. So, if you don't want to know what the possible title is or what this next in a long line of, I'm sure, rumor stories about the title, go ahead, skip this, come back later. I will understand. Normally, you don't. I don't go into these kind of stories, but... I, I, uh, the story just kind of came across my desk. I couldn't avoid it. Some of you out there, I'm not pointing fingers, but some of you out there, tweet, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, social media, you, you get on there and you, and you connect me to some of these spoiler stories. You send me things through Facebook Messenger or, uh, send me pictures and it's hard enough to avoid them. Appreciate it. I get your excitement, but I, I, if if it feels like a spoiler, if it feels like a plot detail emerges or any of those kind of titles, I try to avoid it. Sometimes I can't just because of the job and the line of business I'm in. On Jedi Council, there were some things uh, for Collider that I had to watch that I normally probably wouldn't have watched leading up to Rogue One. Uh, the picture with the ghost um, appearing in Rogue One, I probably would have avoided. I did, in fact, avoid any story that had that, um, but the picture was tweeted to me. 50 times, and I love it. I appreciate your excitement, and you know, it's not a huge spoiler. It's a cool little Easter egg. We know it's coming. It get me, got me more excited for the movie, I would even say, and, and even a little more excited for Rebels itself, but all that to say, let's go into the title discussion. I want to talk about it. So, again, spoiler warning. The alleged title now, and this is probably going to change, I don't buy into it now. I am reporting on on rumors. I am discussing rumors here. There is a uh, a trademark copyright uh, filing um, for uh, by Lucasfilm with the uh, European European Union Intellectual Property Office. Sounds like a Monty Python sketch. Uh, they submitted uh, for the title, Star Wars Forces of Destiny. This leads fans to wonder if the full title of the next film will be Star Wars Episode Eight: Forces of Destiny. So, we're going to discuss that. 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The thing about Star Wars titles is I think historically in all the movies and even some of the shows and books and stuff that we get, um, there's a weird reaction to titles when you first hear them. Uh, We are so used to Star Wars or Star Wars A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back or Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi that anything else sounds weird. If you grew up with it, 
It sounds weird. I've always wondered if back in 1981 or 82, if little uh, five, six, seven-year-old Kenny Napsok had had a podcast back then, if he would have reacted uh, weirdly or adversely to hearing the title Revenge of the Jedi. I wonder if I would have been, uh, maybe I would have said, I don't know, Jedi don't get revenge, or if I would have been, it's cool, probably it's cool. We're so used to those titles by now that they, uh, they're commonplace and we, and we accept them. Case in point. I gotta say, one of my favorite Star Wars titles, including books, comics, comics don't necessarily have the titles, but books books as well, and TV shows. I like The Phantom Menace now. But I gotta tell you, at the time, before the movie came out, I hated that title. What is that? That's not Star Wars. We got A New Hope, Return of the Jedi, The Empire Strikes Back, The Phantom Menace. I was unhappy with it. But now, as time has passed, and it has just become something I'm so used to hearing or saying, I actually like the title. Then when you hit get the whole story put together, and Palpatine is kind of the Phantom Menace itself, um, it makes sense to me, and I like the title. Attack of the Clones never been one of my favorite titles. A little too campy. Uh, you could debate whether or not the clones actually do attack or not and all that kind of nerd debate stuff. Um, uh, but Revenge of the Sith, obviously, I think is works and is also one of my favorite titles. The Empire Strikes Back works, but I think it works... Because it's so simple, but also we're so used to it. That's campy as well. That's a very 1950s or even 1939 Flash Gordon serial title. The Empire Strikes Back. That's kind of weird when you think about it, but we just accept it. We accept Empire as the best movie with possibly the best title. I don't know. But that said, when new titles come out, we're always like, eh. We're always dubious. And Force Awakens... I raised some eyebrows, but I gotta tell you right quick, I liked it. Force Awakens works. It made sense. You already knew kind of what this movie was gonna be about. Uh, the individual uh, storylines about the Force Awakening could be interpreted different, or uh, you know maybe some of our predictions didn't come out exactly. But the title stands as to me a great Star Wars title. Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. It's back, baby. The franchise and the Force itself. I loved it. Rogue One. Love it. Loved it. When that was announced, big cheer from me. Rogue One, a Star Wars story? Not my favorite, but again, again, you have to understand, just calling a movie Rogue One was not going to let a lot of people, believe it or not, in on that being a Star Wars movie, especially with Mission Impossible 5 Rogue Nation being launched or coming out uh, around the same time as Force Awakens. It could easily get confusing. You do have to consider that. So I've uh, accepted Star Wars, uh, you know, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I get it. But the title itself, Rogue One, awesome. Force Awakens, awesome. So when I hear something like Forces of Destiny, uh, I get a little dubious. I'm saying right now, I don't believe that's the title. Forces of Destiny sounds, um, it just sounds cumbersome. It also sounds a little bit more like an EU title. Expanded Universe, late 90s or something, or some kind of weird uh, uh, Jedi twin book. Um, Jaina and Jason get in a fight and 
Go Other Ways, and they are both forces of destiny. Not my favorite title. Uh, Not my favorite idea. Um, I like simple ones. I keep saying the reign of the First Order in my weird fan fiction, but you know what? That's my weird fan fiction. No one at Lucasfilm is going to want a fan fiction-like title on this movie. I agree. Um, But I I hope this isn't the title, but we're going to hear a lot of them. So let's figure this out. What do we want as the title? Use the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars and tweet me what you think the title of Episode 8 should be. Maybe we'll read them here. Maybe I'll carry it over to Force Center, and we'll have a uh, have our own contest to determine what the title should be. Forces of Destiny also sounds to me like some kind of live stage show at a theme park or some kind of ride at a theme park and you know I don't know maybe they're opening up something in Disney Paris um, maybe there's something about that um, at, at, at Star Wars land in, in Anaheim it could be anything these type of things happen sometimes businesses these, these film companies or these entertainment companies will go out and copyright and trademark as much as they can to throw people off the scent or to just kind of go out and claim space on the internet for these properties the intellectual properties so I right now am not under the assumption that forces of destiny is the title is it the worst title I don't find it to be I was talking with Mark Riley over Collider News and Schmoes and he uh, he kind of went on a Riley rant about Forces of Destiny, which I understand uh, his point of view. I, I could live with it. But again, this is a rumor. And rumors of rumors. And you will hear rumors of rumors of rumors. I am predicting that Forces of Destiny will not be the title. Again, hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. Follow us at Force Center Pod, me at Ken Knapsack. And uh, let us know what you think should be the title for episode 8. Going to take some of your questions in a bit, but I did want to touch upon something. A lot of uh, fun Star Wars rumors, news, and theories this week as we led up to Rogue One. If you haven't seen it yet, I won't go into it too much here, but the latest episode of Star Wars Rebels Visions and Voices, the first half season finale, so to speak, for that animated series on Disney XD, came out, it's good, uh, has some great parts, Ezra, Maul, Sabine, Satine mentioned the Darksaber returns to the Star Wars story, a lot of stuff in there. This, coupled with Daisy Ridley saying that uh, she's surprised and was surprised about all this, um, who is raised parents or who's, uh, whose line does she come from, because she thought it was pretty obvious in the film and that the answer is in the film. Not necessarily who her parents are or who her mother or father are, just individually, uh, just more about her lineage and her line. And all that combined got some people, myself included, caught up in a world war, whirlwind of fun theories. And kind of a world war, too. Because when you put a theory out there about Star Wars, it can turn into a fight. Now, there will be a Collider Crash Course video coming out soon on Collider Video uh, that I have written. And uh, will be uh, taken in part of, of, uh, of the production uh, that will deal with this theory. And I'm going to wait to go into that. Number one, I want you to watch it because it is my work now. But number two, it's got some direct spoilers from Star Wars Rebels and stuff from Clone Wars. But... 
did want to mention it, because I'm telling you now. I was on Ray as a Palpatine, and that's a fun theory. I'm saying there's a 2% chance. But I am definitely on the case, and there's some people been writing me about this. Um, uh, if, if, if you're one of the fans who, uh, listeners, I should say, that, that wrote me, I, I love it. We can talk about it. Write us over at Force Center, and we can, we'll have some fun with this. I wanted Ray to be a Palpatine. A descendant somehow of Sheev Palpatine, maybe a Plagueis, maybe of the Force. I like Ray being of the Force. I like all that. But I still think the answer is more obvious than we want it to be. And I still think it's possible that she is Luke Skywalker's daughter. I also think it's more than possible, and at this point, more than likely, that she is related to Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'll just connect the dots. If you don't want to hear and you want to go into Rebels completely blind, if you haven't seen the episode Visions and Voices, stop again. A lot of spoiler alerts for this episode. Sorry, normally I don't do that, but I really want to talk about some of this stuff. So I I won't be offended if you have to turn off this episode again, or you did already and somehow you're still magically listening. Um, but the dots are pretty simple. There's holes in these uh, theories, of course, but that's what makes them theories, and that's why they're fun. Obi-Wan into a connection, a little love going on between him and Duchess Satine. Go back to the Clone Wars, Season 2, Season 5, Duchess Satine. Chris, you will uh, start there. I think. Now, how do you get from that to years later, years later, to Ray? Well, you got to have some generations in between, right? I believe it is possible that Sabine Wren is the daughter of Satine and Obi-Wan. Now, on Rebels... They talk about Sabine's mother was part of the Death Watch, a Mandalorian kind of uh, resistance force to the new ways of the Mandalores. Um, go back to season two then, all through Clone Wars. Um, and there's some talk about that. And then also, quite frankly, and, and this is something that I will, uh, it, it, it can be awkward in these times. So you start talking about race and ethnic makeup and all that stuff, but... Sabine Wren, designed clearly to be uh, kind of an Asian female descent, ethnic background kind of look to her. Uh, I think that's very clear. This is, uh, Sabine Wren is not straight up a white girl um, in the design. Um, Same with Dr. Aphra in the comic series. Um, And that's great. And I love that. You should love that too. So that kind of does a weird cut into the theory because Obi-Wan... Red-haired, fair-haired, British boy. And then you've got Duchess Satine. Uh, when she takes off her headgear, uh, she's, a, she's a blonde Mandalorian woman. So it doesn't seem to work out in that way. And I will admit that that's a big hole in the theory. But if you can kind of throw that aside and just say, well... Sabine Wren is is a Mandalorian, and Satine is too, and who knows with Obi-Wan, and who knows when you mix in midichlorians, who knows? Um, Maybe she could be their daughter. You have to kind of get over that leap, 
Again, huge hole in the theory, but let's just go with Obi-Wan, Satine, Sabine. Now, Sabine, there is definitely some undertones in uh, undertones in uh, Rebels that Ezra has a crush on Sabine, so maybe they end up together. Could they eventually, somehow, some way, give birth to Rey? Ezra being pretty powerful Jedi in his own young right. He probably doesn't quite know his skills. He's still learning. He learned late in the game. His midi-chlorian count probably high. Sabine, ish, would she be force-sensitive? Say like a Leia who didn't quite know it her whole life? Found out late in the game, and then as we know now, didn't really go down that path. Uses her Jedi powers in another way. Could Sabine be like that? And could Ezra and Sabine... Give us Ray, and that means Ray has some skills as a pilot that are just innate and already there. Could that give us a, a thought that uh, you know Ezra's skills can translate down to this uh, you know young uh, young woman with some amazing Jedi skills? She's got some mind trick skills, much like Obi Wan. Uh, great article. Two days after the uh, two weeks after, I should say, the Force Awakens had come out on the Huffington Post, and and uh, you can look it up. And the author uh, uh, Ben's his first name. Uh, he uh, wrote uh, predicted right then and there that Ray is of uh, Kenobi's line. And there's some parallels. You can read the article about um, Ray skipping around Star Skiller, Star Killer base, uh, like Obi Wan. Uh, you know, similar when he was taking on the tractor beam, she's escaping, and she's got certain skills that dress similar. There's all all those kind of things. Again, the mind control. There's a lot of those things that connect up. That Anthony Breskin's uh, story, uh, Entertainment Weekly guy saying, hey, look, they're not done with Kenobi in the saga. That's why you're not going to see a Kenobi standalone film yet. They got things to go. It's It's all adding up. And then it could be. It's possible that Sabine, maybe she doesn't end up with Ezra. Maybe. At some point in the Star Wars storyline, after Jedi, maybe it's possible. Maybe it's possible. She ends up with Luke Skywalker. It's possible. Now, why is it Sabine? Why is it Sabine that we're focusing on? Because she could be key to this theory. There could be someone else. Maybe, somehow, someway, Mara Jade or another form of Mara Jade returns. Comics, a new animated show, something. And that connects up and syncs up with Luke. And maybe it's that simple. Maybe Satine and Obi-Wan had uh, a, a secret love child that was Mara Jade or a Mara Jade type, and that ends up, and then we got our precious old canon mixing with the new. It could be that, or Sabine maybe could be. But why does it all connect? Because Obi-Wan and Satine, Duchess Satine, there's a lot there with the Mandalorians, Mandalorian culture, the Darksaber, and all that kind of comes to a head and to a point in Star Wars Rebels Visions and Voices, the episode uh, that is out uh, as of today. I got to see it earlier, and um, it starts to make sense, and you start to believe it. So it's possible that Rey is still the daughter of Luke Skywalker, and it's also possible then, if you follow that line, that she is the granddaughter of obi Juan Kenobi. And as other people, most notably my good friend Christian Harloff has pointed out, the the Skywalker then training a Kenobi, let's say Luke's not her father, and then you have uh, the grandson, 
of Darth Vader fighting the granddaughter of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And now the circle is complete. That, for all your Ring Theory fans, and all your Star Wars is a poem that rhymes, that starts to make sense. So, yes, is there a lot of questions? Is there a lot of just big, giant connecting of the dots? Yes. I waffle on my level of excitement and energy for who are raised parents or who is her lineage theories. I, I was all into them coming out of Force Awakens. I've since kind of grown tired of them. But this one reinvigorated me because it's stuff, it's based on stuff we have seen, seen in new canon. And that's exciting. But I still love the other theories. I still love all the ones I hear. It is fun. It is fun and part of what I love that The Force Awakens did to Star Wars lore. It added new questions, big questions, and makes you go back and start reading lines. And what does that mean? And what is this comic? Does that have to do with this? What's the point of that character on Rebels? And what did that vision mean in Force Awakens? And it all starts to tie together. And, in truth, none of it could tie together. None of it could tie together. We could be following a path similar to the one that George R.R. R. Martin put us on with Rickon Stark and Shaggy Dog the Direwolf. Shaggy Dog being an old kind of a TV trope of a story with kind of no point. Um, we were all kind of trolled and punked there a little bit on the TV show side of things. Book, who knows? Maybe that's some of this. Maybe we're all chasing tales here. They're up there at Lucasfilm, Dave Filoni, Kiri Hart, Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams stopping by, and uh, Pablo Hidalgo, Leland Chi. They're all sitting around laughing and having fun, looking at us, trying to figure out stuff, maybe things that are answered in plain sight, or maybe things that aren't as big as we want it to be. Maybe Ray is just simply... Born of the Force. Maybe Rey is just simply Han and Leia's secret daughter. Maybe, maybe she is related to Emperor Palpatine. Maybe she's related to Snoke. We don't know. But, again, it's fun. And I was uh, a little off the trail, but now I'm back on the trail. It's fun. More on that coming. Check for that video on Collider Crash Course. We'll uh, break it all down and a little bit more uh, connecting the dot points there. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it. And we'll see. Maybe Rogue One. Jyn Erso is not the answer, of course. But maybe in Rogue One, there'll be some other clue or hint that we can break down. So before I go this week, I do want to answer some of your questions. On the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars, that's where you can do it. A couple ones coming in. Uh, I do want to shout out that we talked about GIF guides last week. Thanks for listening to that episode. Weird episode. It sounded a little disjointed. Maybe it did or didn't to you, the listener, but I had a lot of tech problems there. My computer kept shutting down. I had to kind of cobble that episode together. Uh, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't my best effort, and I want to apologize for that. But I did have some listeners and Jessica Beardsley at Miss underscore Bitsy saying, uh, I'm not really into the merch of Star Wars, but I do enjoy making of books and art books. Lovely coffee, coffee table books. Jessica, I agree with you. Uh, I love those. I have some of those Art of Star Wars books, the Art of the Force Awakens. The the visual dictionary ones are kind of uh, a little bit more niche and nerdy, but uh, there are some great books. The making of books are awesome. I actually don't own 
any of those big making of Star Wars Empire and Jedi books that came out. I, I, I have to correct that at some point, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I also find it interesting, Jessica, that you, you're not really into the merch of Star Wars, but I know you're a big Star Wars fan. Are there any of you out there like Jessica? I want to know. Tweet in. Tweet us. Let us know. Tweet Jessica at Miss underscore Bitsy, uh, B-I-T-Z-Y, because I think that's fascinating, because... As a Star Wars fan, you just kind of assume everyone else is swimming in the merchandise. But there's got to be a lot of people who are like, no, I love the movies, I love the stories, love the books. I don't need a room full of Funko Pops. And I respect that. Sometimes, sometimes, rarely, but sometimes I wish that could be me. Jonas Berggren, check it in. And uh, he says, as a dumb young adult who likes Star Wars and tattoos, I got myself an early Christmas gift. Uh, he uh, he has a great big tattoo, it looks like on his left arm, of Princess Leia in, I might add, combat poncho. Cuts off The tattoo kind of cuts off around the neck, but it's the hairstyle, it's the poncho. It is combat poncho Leia Jonas. That's a great gift. I wish I had. I I don't have tattoos because I just they don't they don't work on me. Um, but that's great. Jonas has another question though. He he tweeted that in re- response to the gift guide, um, but he also tweeted in a great question I wanted to address because I uh, we uh, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of the idea of a Boba Fett standalone movie. I know that is uh, out there, but Jonas asks a great question. He says, you were not so hyped about a Boba Fett movie, but if the movie featured Ara Singh, would you consider? Now, this comes from those who listen to Databank Brawl on our Four Center podcast feed here, Joseph Scrimshaw's excellent Star Wars uh, debate and fake combat show. Uh, we battled Sam Wessel versus Ara Singh, and I, and I admitted that I kind of have a thing for Ara Singh. I have a thing for Sam Wessel, too, a little bit. I just, I like strong, evil female characters. I always have. I always have. I love Robotech. Everyone knows I love Robotech. And I was, I liked Lisa Hayes. I wasn't a Min May guy. I liked Lisa Hayes because she was in control of that bridge and she was a little salty and she was a little kind of a little angry, a little sassy. And, and she was in control and Rick Hunter knew it. And she, Rick, the greatest fighter pilot in the earth in the galaxy at that point, had to um, submit to her. And I, I just grew up liking Lisa Hayes in a Robotech Masters. I liked Lieutenant Nova Satori, who was in charge of the Security Bureau. And I liked Lieutenant Marie Crystal, who was a, an ace fighter pilot who had an attitude. Dana Sterling wasn't my favorite. I liked Marie Crystal. She had a short, nice shag haircut. She looked like Pat Benatar, and she had an attitude. And Nova Satori was stern and cold. I just, I'm all through my life kind of attracted to that. And Aura Singh and Zam Wessel, the, the, these bounty hunters in the galaxy, there's something about it. I just have to admit that that's the case. And Aura Singh, who appeared briefly in The Phantom Menace and then again in uh, the Clone Wars cartoon, he is one of my uh, lower-tier favorite Star Wars fans. So, Jonas, a great question. If you're telling me there's going to be a Boba Fett standalone movie set sometime, maybe before the events of A New Hope, or maybe it's set after Return of the Jedi and he escapes from the Sarlacc pit, and somehow I find out it involves Aura Singh, who helped raise him after Jango passed on, unfortunately, at the hands of that meanie Mace Windu. If Aura Singh is in there, They'd probably have to bring in a new actress. The actress who portrayed her in that one shot in Phantom Menace was, I think, a model, not so much an actress. Um, it was a quick uh, one-shot thing. Uh, recast her, put someone solid in there. Um, yes. 
All right, Jonas, you got me. I then would want to see a Boba Fett movie if I knew Aura Singh was going to be up on the big screen again. You suckered me into that one, Jonas. You're smart. You're smart. Final question today, Patrick Barman, P underscore Barman, two ends on the Barman. He, of course, also runs Imperial Podcasting Network there, an up-and-coming Star Wars podcast. Check it out. Patrick checking in again as a, has been away for a while, as we all are busy in life. Says, which character are you most excited for in Rogue One? Uh, obviously, Jen Erso, obviously Cassian Andor, but I'll go uh, lower uh, than that. There's been a lot of talk about Bail Organa on Force Center and what it could mean. I'm excited about that, but I know it's going to be tiny. But I'll tell you what, who I am most excited for in Rogue One on a small niche level. Because really, in truth, I think to me, the answer is Jyn Erso. Um, this is a great opportunity to put a a powerful new character and a flawed character and a, a character in the center of the action and leading the action. And the fact that she happens to be female, I think, is a bonus. Um, Star Wars needed more of those uh, strong uh, female characters, as it were, as the buzzwords are. Um, I'm most excited for Jyn Erso. Cassian Andor second. But I'll tell you what. I want to see a little bit more of Mon Mothma. But beyond that, I'm excited for General Jan Dodonna, the first man on screen in a Star Wars film to say, may the force be with you, back in A New Hope. He was the one who greeted Leia when we heard about Alderaan, we feared the worst. He's mentioned in Star Wars Rebels. His rebel cell is one of the more powerful cells, which is why he got those precious Y-wings, so he could attack the Death Star possibly, or just have them, and later on they used them for the Death Star. Jan Dodonna in the Star Wars story bubble is an important character that uh, we really have never spent a lot of time with. We don't see him necessarily, I don't recall, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't, he doesn't pop up in the Clone Wars in any kind of area. Uh, and again, Expanded Universe stuff, I'm sure he popped up there. Um, no disrespect to anyone who loves the Expanded Universe, but, you know, I, I didn't read it as much. Um, but in canon, and in where we are now, new canon, now is a chance to establish this powerful rebel leader, a key rebel leader who uh, had a very uh, important role in taking down both the Death Star and the Empire. And what happened to him after A New Hope? Where was he during the events of Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi? That stuff now is potentially open and, and, and can be written anew. And I'm excited to see what they do with this character because I, I, he's in the movie. There's those shots of obviously a new actor playing him and, and he's got to be there. Yavin 4, the base there, I believe he ran that base in my... In at least in my head canon, he did. So I'm excited to see how they can expand on those little characters and kind of lead lead us maybe to more stories. Yes, General Jan Dodonna in Rogue One has me excited. Guys, that is it for Spotlight Star Wars for, the, for this week. As always, thanks for listening. Like I said, this is a monologue from me to you, Star Wars fan to Star Wars fans. It is uh, just a small part of here of what we do here on the Force Center podcast feed. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Some of you might be new coming in from the Collider Jedi Council audience. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. That help us, helps us a lot. 
We're still doing a big push for the Facebook page. Please like us on Facebook and send us longer messages. You're not limited by 140 characters there. Let your heart flow. We do read them all, whether or not we respond to them. And a lot of times, our Force Center main show, our, our topics are selected by things we get from Facebook. So go over to the Facebook page if you haven't already. Give us a like. Follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Follow me at Ken Napsock. The next time I talk to you on this network, I will have seen Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I'm hoping for the best. I know you all are hoping for the best. Let's gather again with Joseph and Jennifer at my side and let's talk about Rogue One. Guys, May that force thing kind of sort of always remain around us. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.